Welcome everybody uh, to the Like Minded Strangers podcast uh, with myself, Jay, and my special guest. So I want to mix things up a little bit. So every other week I'll be interviewing some special guests and individuals who have much to say, but also are the pioneers of their own journey. And I'll call this a little segment, you know, what is your why? So today's uh, podcast will be focused on one of my closest friends, Nick, uh, who I've known for I think it's 20 plus years now, isn't it, Nick? I think. Mm, um, yeah. You know, I've seen him sort of build his business around sort of style and fashion. And it got me thinking a little bit about, you know, what is his why? What is even my own why? Um, if you haven't heard of Simon Sinek, uh, which is like the, I guess, the guy when you're talking about, you know, what is your why? Then, you know, get to know who that gentleman is. So it's Simon Sinek. Uh, he's done a you know a famous speech on you know what is your why, and uh, I guarantee that guarantee it will get you will get you thinking, get your mind racing. But without further ado, I welcome Mr. Hems. Nick, firstly, how are you doing? I'm good, Joe. I'm good. How are you? All right, you know uh, it's uh, we've had you know it's feeling good. Mental health is all right. Um, you know, feeling like I'm ready to conquer the world. So it's, it's, it's Friday tomorrow, so we've got a good weekend and all that. Yeah, you know, good little good little plug for Simon Sinek there. If if uh, anyone hasn't watched that famous video, like why they done on YouTube, it's uh it's a good investment of your time. I can't remember how long it is now, twenty minutes, half hour, mm. but yeah, it's a good something one. like that. Yeah. Something like that. So Nick, tell me a little bit about you. Obviously, I know everything about you, but for those that are listening, tell me, you know, a little bit about you. But first of all, though, you've got to plug your business. You've got to tell the world what it is that you actually do. <laughs> yeah, so, so my business is after my name, Nick Hems. So it's Nick Hems Style. Um, and in short, I am a men's personal stylist slash image coach. So I help men that want to improve the way they look, um, improve their first impressions and improve the way they show up in the world, whether that is professionally uh, for work or, or personally. Um, yeah, my, my, my kind of clients range completely in age, typically from around 35 to 60. And it's always because they have a, a plan in store for themselves where they're either um, looking to progress to the next stage of their career. Um, they're doing more stuff usually in front of camera or um, a lot of the time also it's kind of they're looking to find um, their kind of like lifelong partner, for example. Mm, so yeah, mm, that, mm. that's me in, uh, in short. Mm. So tell me about kind of, you know, what's what's been in your journey? Because I guess I met you, you know, when we were what, 16, 17? College. Yeah, college, yeah. Yeah, college days. So I met you, you know, kind of halfway through, not obviously wanting to tell people your age now, but I met you kind of halfway through. Uh, but yeah, I guess tell me a bit about kind of your journey, I guess, and, you know, and, and everything that kind of led you to this point where you decided, actually, do you know what, this is my why, and this is kind of why I want to go out there and help people. Yeah, I guess it started. I guess it started from even uh, younger than college days. Um but that's a good time to pick it up from actually because um, I think we're similar in some ways. Like um, I was, when I was younger, I wasn't very confident, um, but I wasn't very, com- I, was, I was a shy child, but then growing up, um, I had confidence in my own ability, but I didn't have necessarily, I didn't know how to show that off to other people. So I wasn't confident in all situations. So one of the things I'd done to try and improve my confidence, I guess, is is dress well. 
And I found that when I dressed well, um, people talked to me differently. So then you have this whole thing about um, not hiding behind your clothes, but using your clothes, your style, the way that you look to set that first impression with someone um, and communicate in the way that you want to them. Yeah. Um, and, and growing up, um, I found that it made it easier for me to, to talk to girls, which is something obviously that, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18 years of age is what you want to do mm-hmm. um, because I was shy. And so it kind of almost was like a bit of a lead in and made me feel a bit more confident if someone liked the way you just genuinely looked on the outside, it made yeah. you a bit more confident to carry on a conversation. Sure, sure. Um, but then after that, I also found that it helped me when I was coming to, when I, after I graduated uni, in uni and going for jobs. Mm. You had to dress appropriately or um, when you had to put, put yourself across the people, it made a difference to the way that they perceived you and then the way they acted towards you. And then, in fact, really, it made a difference in the end result that you got. Yeah. Um, so going for jobs, I ended up working in sales. Um, yeah. And that sales is, a, as everyone knows, sales people by people, right? So mm-hmm. when you meet people, they perceive who you are, what you're about, um, they feel like they get to know you and ultimately they're deciding, do I like this person? Do I want to do business with them? Mm-hmm. So dressing appropriately was always something that I looked to do to almost like dress to impress, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so people looked at me, you know, this, this dude's got himself, he's got himself together. I like mm-hmm. the way he's presenting himself mm-hmm. and it almost sets the bar for the conversation then. And mm-hmm. as long as what you're communicating, what you're selling steps up to the way that you look almost the way you look suddenly becomes even more important than the product that you're selling to that person because they're going, all right, I trust this guy. I like the look of him. I trust him. I'm interested in knowing more. And as long as the product is good enough, almost that, that foot that you've got in the door with the way that you look and the first impression you set is what gets you across the line. Yeah. Yeah. So I understood the power of first impressions and appearance. Um, when I was younger mm. and then almost like throughout all my sales life, I used it um, mm. and I played around with it and mm. I played around with the way that I looked according to the kind of person that I was going to see, according to the mm. business that I was going to see. I always was into research from the person I went to see, looking at them on the line looking at the business, how they presented themselves in the business, the person's background, you dress mm. accordingly. And what I found is you get results based off of the effort that you're prepared to put into the way that you look and communicate. So cutting a long story shorter, um, I moved out of London when I was 39. Hmm. Um, And instead of where I was at the time, I was uh, like a director of marketing where I was. And instead of um, moving the business with me and starting up a, a new element of the business, which is what, I'd agreed to do, yeah. I suddenly decided I'm moving my family, you know, 110 miles away from where I was in London and relocating. Yeah. Um, do I just want to continue doing the same thing that I wasn't particularly happy with? Yeah. Um, it got me by, it earned me money. I was doing all right. Yeah. But do I want to carry on down that path or do I want to go on a bit of a journey of discovery to find something that I'm really passionate about? And I've always done a lot of self-development. I've always read a lot of books and been massively into my self-development. I was like, actually, if I continue doing what I'm doing, I'm going against everything that I've read and everything that I believe in. So I was like, look, I'm only going to get one opportunity. 
do something different and do something that I really want and just see if it will work. Yeah. Um, I had a little girl by then, married a little girl. I was like, it's a bit of a risk, but I've got to do it. So yeah, I was, so then it was just a case of what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the journey that I'd been on and I started thinking about what am I good at? You know, because I didn't want to do, I didn't want to start anything that had elements in it of stuff that I'm not good at. So like, first mm-hmm. of all, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? What do I enjoy? What meets up to my values and visions and goals for myself? Mm-hmm. And everything just kind of came together and I was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't necessary to say I wanted to be a stylist, but it was to say I wanted to help people with the way that they look so that I could help them create more opportunities for themselves. And that comes back to that Simon Sinek thing at the beginning, your why, you know? Ultimately, when I worked it out, my why was I want to help people create more opportunity in their lives and gain more happiness. And the way that I can do that and the way that I know I'm good at that is by helping them set better first impressions for themselves so they can open up opportunities in their life and see that, life really can be what you make it. So I wanted to use styling to do that because it certainly is a niche. There aren't a lot of um, male stylists that cater for the audience that I want to cater for. They're mostly women. Um, It's something that in America, they're a lot more advanced in terms of a lot more ahead of where we are in the UK in terms of men that will seek out stylists and will help with the way that they look. I think it's growing here. And so I wanted to kind of get on board early and really be able to preach to people to help them to, to improve the results that they're getting in their lives. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, styling was a way that I could do that. So it's a long-winded answer to your question. No, no, not at all. Do you know what? It's, 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 actually, it's actually good. I think it kind of, it's kind of led to me to have a, a, like another segue. Do you feel that, I guess, uh, being mixed, mixed race, that you felt that you had to look even better than everybody else or sort of 100% 100%, like Mm. not necessarily look better but I think the effort I think Mm. the effort I needed to Mm. make more of an effort Mm. to overcome potentially any prejudice that people may see so I'm not saying it's obviously it's not there in 100% in all of people all the time it's not but sometimes and, you know, we've all become, well, people of colour, let's, mm-hmm. let's call it that, I don't like the expression, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I've become accustomed to um, trying to fight prejudice off in certain of areas of their life. And yeah. for me, I was always aware of it. And I was always aware, you know what, if that person is going to approach that job in that way, then I've got to make sure I'm even more on point. Because yeah. instead of standing out for my colour in a negative way, I wanted to stand yeah. out in a positive way. Yeah. And... For me, that that's it's always been an underlying quite big thing that you never really talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot. You're right. I think when you and I have known each other, as I said we've known each other a long time, and I'd probably say that uh, it's only in the last couple couple of years where I've really really thought about you know what being black means to me and you know, how I feel that's actually affected me in certain situations and also affected how I think and how I feel about myself as well. When, whilst sort of growing up for you, what was that like, um, you know, lead, probably leading up to the stage when when you and I met, what was that like for you? Well, growing up being, being mixed race, essentially. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, like, 
I think BMX race is funny. Like you can do a whole podcast and more on that. You know, like I think so. So I, I was what you might call the upper way around, right? So right. Um, my my dad was white. He's no longer with, with us, but my dad was white and my mom was black, uh, <laughs> black Caribbean, Jamaican, and my dad mm-hmm. was born and raised in East London. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never knew growing up. Until I was 17, I never knew my white family. Um, they didn't want to know, didn't want to know me, didn't want to know my mum, because my dad married a black person, is the way they see it. Um, So they weren't interested, didn't want to see me. But on my mum's side of my family, I had a big family. Yes. Um, And, you know, they certainly wanted to know, and I was really a massive part of my mum's family like yeah. see them all the time um big family lots of cousins lots of love in my family and yeah. so that's what i knew growing up all the time but then where i lived i was more surrounded by white people yeah. so like race really you know i didn't have an issue like with anything or anyone um but as you get older and older and older you you see where this is my when you go to school and like where I went to school in Downham yeah. um, you know for the first time you start seeing NF and BMP and understanding what, what that is and you get this whole funny thing about um, all of a sudden you realise that you are treated differently because of your colour yeah. and you know the mates that you build up and have you yeah. know like stuff around that like I always remember being like going to uh, one of my friends' houses mm. and like them telling me that their family don't really mix with black people and the the, the phrase um, me being black mixed black but he's alright you know do you know something I've got to say when I was at school that was definitely a term that I would hear a lot oh yeah, you're alright mate you're alright and it's like, well, yeah. what do you mean I'm okay? What about my other black friends? What about my family? Like, what do you mean? Don't just single me out. I am just like they are. Oh, yeah, but you're you're different. You're all right. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm just a product of my environment. I'm black. Whether you like it or not, it is what it is. And you are right. You mm-hmm. do end up getting singled out just because they may feel comfortable with you or, as you say, they may have gone to school with you and all the rest of it. They think, oh, yeah, he's okay. If you were was to maybe put them in a different environment where there may be other black guys and girls, then all of a sudden then their prejudice will come out probably even more than what it did when they were with or you. Or their fear, you know, or their fear. Mm. Because if you if you if you took that person out of the world that they know and put them mm. into um, a black community where they were one of the only white people, mm. really and truly it would be fear, you know, that would, mm. that would maybe be their leading emotion because mm. it's the fear of the unknown, you know, like, mm. are these people different? You know, mm. like, am I going to be treated differently because I'm white? Mm. And um, ultimately in their own communities, they're comfortable and you're the alien that's coming mm. in and mm. that, that's what they've led, been led to believe by their families and growing up you know, mm. this kind of uh, invisible prejudice, which necessarily isn't talked about. But, mm. and so they're kind of like, well, actually I've met, and I'm, I'm not even black, but for the cl- mm. for the sake of this and for the sake of the world, most mm. people, if you're mixed race, people just class you as black if you're white. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. white. So um, for this, it's kind of like, well, actually I've got to know Nick. He's in my class or wherever I am and they've just spoken to me like they've spoken to anyone and what they've realised 
is because I've been forced upon them because I'm in yeah. their environment, yeah. I'm just like everyone else. And, yeah. and I've got my quirks and I've got things about my personality that they'll like or they won't like. But yeah. if they've got on with me, then all of a sudden, you know, they go back to the, oh, the colour thing first. He's black. Yeah. But he's all right. <laughs> you know, like, it's almost like he's actually, he's actually all right. You know, I know yeah. that he's this a different colour. So, yeah, so growing up, it was like this introduction into like actually there is segregation, and depending on where you go, where you hang around, um, you know, like places like Welling, you know, some places might be worse, some places Uh you might not really feel anything if you go out at night, some places Uh you've got to be conscious of how long you stay out there or Uh where you go into the pubs that you go into. Things like that, and you just become more and more aware of this kind of like the racial undertones, the way people look at you, the way people talk to you, the way mm. people act around you, and mm. and actually like the prejudice that they've been brought up with by mm. uh, with their families. Mm. So yeah, it's it's just a kind of you grow up mm. and you realise more and more how people view the world, and mm. sometimes it's not a nice place. Sometimes no, like not. you get despondent and you get upset by people's views and opinions about you. I mean, look at, and God, I mean, I know we, we, we mentioned this the other day, you talk about the football, you know, with the England match, I think that was just, uh, for me, it was, a, oh, here we go again. You know, I knew the second that uh, the guys had missed a penalty, I knew exactly what was going to happen and it happened Monday morning, newspapers were going mad, at social media, messages that people were sending out to those three guys, young men, it's, it upset me, but, I wasn't surprised. Um, and you, into your point, yeah, there is a definite undertone. I think social media has probably made it a lot easier for these individuals to hide because they now feel, well, I can hide behind my socials and I can say whatever I like. And I'm hoping that, you know, more will be done to, to I guess, prevent these individuals from hiding. If you've got something to say, say with your chest, isn't it? Simple as that. Yeah, and I think, uh, the, the thing is, I think with social media and, and like, so as soon as Saka missed the penalty, I, I knew what was coming. But essentially, yeah. I didn't think what was coming is uh, everyone's racism is going to come out and yeah. the real racists are going to raise their voices because they're racist and they don't want black people around. Like, yeah. it's not so much that. It's, it's all these people that have jumped on the bandwagon because it's been in the media and it's been in the spotlight so much. It's all these people that are essentially keyboard warriors that don't yes. have an opinion of their own, that are uneducated. They're yes. not racist. They're not necessarily racist. They just think, if I say this, I'm going to get attention. If I say this, the media are going to report on it. So they're like, jump onto people's accounts, prominent people's accounts, monkey emojis, blah, 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 blah. And then they know that if enough, well, they know if they do it, other people are going to do it. And they know that it's going to be reported upon. And all of a sudden, it becomes this massive race issue and these black players being abused, really, truly, all it is is actually a very small amount of people that are idiots. There are racists, but at that time, do I think that racists were the real problem? No, I think it was these idiots that hide behind their computer that want attention um, through to whatever crap is going on in their lives. They just want attention, and, and that's what blows it up. For me, it's disappointing because the whole reporting on this is is skewed and actually it's at the detriment to the message that the anti-message anti-racism message that we're trying to get across yeah, because yeah. more and more white people are just getting tired of seeing the headlines about of course racism yeah, you know and they're like oh you know you got and you guys hold the spotlight for long enough now about this whole yeah. 
racism and stuff. You know, yeah, yeah, we change our opinions and, you know, mm. people get bored, don't they? But you know so, what? Yeah. I think another thing I'll say, you know, you spoke about, you know, when I said to you about, you know, the change of career for you, going into Star, wanting to help people, always feeling that you maybe had to, uh, um, I guess, dress that much more, put yourself out there more. Do you feel that sales made you a lot more resilient, I guess, as well? Because mm. with, with everything that's going on now, I've, I think I'm becoming a little bit more thick-skinned every day. Don't get me wrong, there's days when I, you know, you might see something in the news and think, oh, God, or you may see something on social. But I just think that as black people, we are extremely resilient. But mm. I think with George Floyd, it just enough was enough kind of thing you know mm. uh i think george floyd's death definitely definitely opened a lot of other a lot of people's eyes to what we experience and what we actually go through not necessarily mm. you know to the to the extent of what happened to george but you know i've always said metaphorically speaking that there's still a uh you know a, a noose or we're still being kneed upon there's still a knee on our neck so it's so mm. metaphorically speaking you know, um, whether it be at work or just, you know, in your life daily. Do you feel for you sometimes that, like, do you do you feel that you've become a lot more resilient? Was there ever a time when, I guess, you know, throughout your life where you thought, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm done kind of thing? Mm, I've never felt I'm done. I felt like, especially um, after the George Floyd incident with everything mm. that was going on in the media, like, yeah, there's been a couple of times where I've just felt tired, you know, mm. like really, really tired. Yeah. Because I'm just like, do you know what? The people's ignorance just frustrates me because yeah. it got to the point where actually it was all right. People were accepting being corrected on yeah. their behavior or the way that they communicated because you're like, actually, look, I, want, I just want to bring this to the fourth, to yeah. the four. And actually, a lot of white people didn't know the prejudice that we faced. Mm. in our lives just mm. through sheer ignorance not because they sure. didn't want to acknowledge it but this was the first time that mm. grown people were realising oh I didn't know you'd have to experience that in your life I'm shocked I'm upset mm. for you like this mm. is disgusting yeah. and you know when when you kind of see idiots that post stupid stuff still you're like, oh, this is, do I have to try and correct this? Do I have to go through this with people? And that was what got frustrating sometimes. Yeah, it, it, it just get tiring. Mm. Um, I don't know how it was for you, but yeah, I, I found it just mentally yeah, exhausting I, sometimes. I was tired. Um, uh, I was definitely tired. Um, I ended up having to write down a lot of my thoughts to help me kind of, um, I guess... Uh, understand a lot of what I was trying wanting to trying to understand in my mind definitely a lot of confusion definitely saw a lot of organizations you know with the whole marketing with the black squares and all the rest of it do I think any of them cared probably very few of them did um I had people at work you know ring me and but there was only maybe I'll probably say at the time three of my colleagues who I felt it came from a genuine place, if that makes sense. Like they, mm. one of my colleagues, uh, she was like, you know, really upset by it. And she was a slightly older, older lady. Um, and I got on really well with her actually. And uh, we had a, like, a really long conversation about it. And, you know, she said, look, you know, I had no idea. And I just explained to her, you know, some of the things I went through, some of the things that my dad and my mom and dad went through, but also my dad, 
probably more so than my mum. Mm. Um, and it was a good conversation. But then I had one conversation with one individual where one of the managers, which was a total waste of my time, you know, it was more that it was, it was the end, it was the, the phrase that was used at the end that made me realise you actually ignored everything I told you. You never understood anything I told you. And this was a waste of 45 minutes. You was told to read. Uh, um, oh, she, oh, she said, um, the only reason, oh, she goes, oh, you know, Jules, I understand how you feel being a woman in the workplace. <laughs> I was like, you have no idea how I feel. <laughs> you are a like very, very, very senior person in this company and you're, you're right. You know, and albeit, yes, I actually did. I was privy to how she was treated, actually, on three occasions where I thought, oh, that's a bit uh, that's a bit below the belt. It wasn't necessarily what was said. It was the action, the way that mm. the individuals were, to, were acting towards her. Even I thought, mm, that's not OK. However, that is nothing to do with, you know, the, uncon- the, the subconscious bias and the microaggressions that you and I would have felt at, in our work on a day-to-day basis from individuals who either don't like you and not used to people like you, or, or they have their own misconceptions of what you are supposed to be or what you are about. Mm. Uh, and I feel that it's those misconceptions that unfortunately uh, a lot of, unfortunately a lot of black men and women love to play out because, you know, it's, it's the stereotype is so it's really cool, but it's actually not because the stereotype hinders you. So yeah, I, I was, I was tired. Um, I was tired. I did a lot of thinking, you know, as I said, I was able to sort of write a few things or whatever, which helped. Spoke to, you know, my, my dad and I had various conversations um, about it as well. So it was, it was, it was an interesting time. But I've got another question for you as well. In terms of kind of the dating, how did, how did you, how did you navigate around that? Because I guess I know at the time, obviously when we was at college, you know, light-skinned guys was in, you know, you was getting all the love and I wasn't getting no love at that time. I'm joking, I wasn't. Do you know what I mean? I was getting no love. But no, I still, I'm joking. But like, I don't know. How did you, I, I guess I remember when we used to go out. I know obviously back then I wasn't the most confident person back then. Um, but I just remember we'd go out and he's like, oh, your friend Nick, your friend Nick. I was like, what, what the hell about, what about me? What about me? You know, I remember actually one time, you probably won't even remember this, we was in Powers. And that that infamous night, you know the night. I'm not going to say you know the night I'm talking about. Okay. And I just remember, you know the night I'm talking about. Yeah, you know the night I'm talking about. And I just remember, and it's funny. Of all the nights that <laughs> that night sticks in my head the most because I remember I walked into Powers, and I remember like, I'm then speaking to some young some ladies, and I'm thinking tonight's the night. This is great. And it went from tonight's the night to what what just happened? Like what, what just happened? I went from this to like nothing. And and it, and then I I remember actually speaking to the lady and she's like oh what about your mate I was like but I'm I'm talking to you so what about, what about me she's like no no but your mate your mate Nick and then her other friend came and she's like oh yeah your mate Nick and then her other friend came and I was oh yeah your mate Nick and I was like Jesus Christ so how did you how did you find that because I know back then it was light skin was in would you not mm. have said that or would you disagree with me. Yeah, yeah, no, like, like you know, in a in a loose sense, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't I can't say that you're not right. Like, uh, yeah, I guess like for me back then it was like I knew that, and like th- throughout my shyness, like I wanted to take advantage of that, but like I was still very, very shy. So 
Mm. Um, although, like, even like, I wouldn't even admit it to like you back then or any of my other friends, you know, like, because mm. you always want to, you know, like, you always want to portray this kind of like, uh, you know, confident, everything's cool. Uh, do you know what I mean? And you've got an ego in it, like, everyone's yes. got an ego. So, to your closest friends, you don't necessarily want to admit the way you actually are. So, you just kind of like, oh, let's roll with it, see what happens, you know, like, get away with what I can get away with. But yeah, I think that's the one thing that helped me out, mm. really. Um, the fact that like I had a bit of a segue to a conversation with someone in the first place because um, I wasn't necessarily the best at starting conversations. Yeah. I could, but it was, it was, I found it hard yeah. um, to say something witty or funny or like, yeah, yeah just like <laughs> in, in, in responding, I, like I was much better. So yeah. yeah, that was good. But like you say, how did I find it then? Like actually like that, when you're out and about, that's great. Yeah. But actually, like, in reality, I was a kind of, like, you might say, like, a relationship kind of person. Then I went mm-hmm. to meet someone because, like, I've grown up and all I've seen is my parents together all, mm-hmm. all their lives and, mm-hmm. and happy. And, like, in my head, I was like, oh, I've got to meet someone, you know, like, I don't mm-hmm. have a relationship with them. I wasn't kind of like, oh, you know, I've just got to meet lots of people and, you know, work out what's right for me in the long term and date lots mm-hmm. of people. I didn't have that in my head. And dating when I was younger, like, actually, one of my one of my first experiences of per se kind of like having a girlfriend, I don't know if you call it that now, but yeah. seeing someone was, was I remember walking them back to their house at midnight and yeah. um, like they had a curfew yeah. night or whatever it was. And they made sure that they were in before that and yeah. their parents came to the window and it was like five minutes before midnight or whatever. Yeah. She yeah. got in and then I found out she'd been grounded the next day. Oh. And, um, and ultimately... Mm. the reason why she'd been grounded is because her mm. parents didn't like the fact that she was seeing someone that was mixed race or black however they saw it mm. and so they grounded her and said right basically we don't want you you're not, you're not to go out in the evenings for two weeks or whatever thinking oh. that that would put her off seeing me yeah. Yeah. Um, and then basically just came out of the fact that they didn't like me and they didn't want her to see me um, okay. and, and you know there, there was no other reason for it do you know what I mean because they've mm. never had a conversation with me before so it's not mm. like they could say we don't like me because of X, Y and Z that stuck with me for a very long time the fact that mm. someone could just do that mm. and like not want to get to know me mm. um, so yeah that's, that's that's how it was like that's mm. one of someone I kind of liked then and just got knocked off because of that, that mm. even though you're young so you just get over it and you move on it's one of those things that kind of stays with you. You yeah, don't forget. End up thinking, is that going to happen to me again? <laughs> do you know what's funny you say that? Um, I've been recently, do you know, like last, I was saying this to my, to my, um, to my dad the other day, how that last year, the word accountability and high value male and feminist uh, and masculine, those are the four words that were used a lot. Like when, when uh, like 2019, when I was dating in 2019, those those are the words that was kind of flying around. And then last year, and coming into this year, trauma has been like a big thing. Like where lots of people talking about childhood trauma. Do you feel that like some of the things that have happened to you, and this is kind of, and I guess this would lead into kind of what you're doing now. Do you feel that there's a element of helping because of, some of the trauma that you'd experienced, you know, when you was in your kind of teens into your twenties, you're like, you know what? I wouldn't want someone to be that way. Cause I, I can, I can tell you that a lot of, you know, you know, some of the things I experienced in my twenties mm. and in my, into my thirties. And I say a lot of that stuff 
uh, I kind of, I, I think, led to the breakdown of my, you know, long-term relationship. Um, and I think it also led to me not taking a lot of the, shall I, dare I say, you know, people that I may have been dating in 2019, I just didn't take them very seriously because there was a still elements of trauma that I hadn't really got over, you know, always thinking that, you know, people would hurt you or people would treat you a certain way. So I guess I acted a certain way when in reality it wasn't me, you know, because I just hadn't got over that trauma. Would you say that there's still elements of trauma that from your kind of your teens, your twenties that still affect you, still affect you today? Um, I think uh, your childhood experiences, no matter what, will affect you throughout your life and mm. maybe kind of have an impact on your behaviour mm. um, or the way you view situations. Um, so I couldn't say I couldn't say no to that. Mm. But you know what I'd say is like I've tried to take the opportunity to 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 maybe assess myself and and realise that I can create what I want in my life, you know, mm. positive or negative, and my thoughts determine who I am. And, and the reactions that I get from people. And I think, you know, like certainly if you call it trauma, your experience of when I was younger certainly impacted on me starting my business because like like most people, they want to they want to bring their children up so that they don't have the bad experiences that they have yes. or they have experiences that they didn't have, be it good ones, you know, like yeah. and for me, I just I like part of my why is like the other part of my why is it's especially with young people that I want mm. to help, like mm. especially young people from deprived or minority backgrounds. Mm. That's really it, you know, because mm. I want to let them see that actually that they don't have to take a certain path in life. They don't necessarily take the path that their brother or their friends or their family or, or the way that society says that, you know, you're going to end up this way. Mm. Or this is going to happen to you. I want to allow them to see at a young enough age that, hey, you know what? I can determine what happens to me and I'm in control. Um, and just appearance is is a small part of that. But once you start to value your appearance and the way that you look and the first impression you create on people, it's a, it's a really, really powerful thing that will really change the way that you perceive yourself and for the rest of your life. So allowing someone to actually change the impression they create on someone mm-hmm. shows them how powerful that they are. And someone can then grow into that because mm-hmm. if they realize the impact they can have through, let's just keep it really simple, wearing a suit to an interview as opposed to turning up in a shirt that's on top, right? Mm-hmm. If they realize that impact that can have on someone else and the reaction they get for that. And you get addicted to things that make you feel good, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to think, actually, I want to repeat that because I got treated this way or something happened to me because of this. It was a positive impact. So I want to repeat that positive impact. And you learn from it. So that's what I want. My my own personal journey in realising it. Um, I want to help people realise that when they're younger so that mm-hmm. I can have a positive impact on their lives mm-hmm. and therefore, hopefully, you know, other people in their life and the people that they meet can learn from that as well. Take it like my children, I want to have the same impact I would mm. on my children on, on people of a younger age. Mm, mm, mm. And I think it's, and, and, I, and I picked up on that when, when I kind of said, oh, yeah, you know, jump on the podcast and let's talk about, you know, your why and why you do what you do. And I thought, hmm, 
that was that was one question I kind of wanted to ask you about. You know, were there certain elements of your of your past that made you think, yeah, this is what I want to do. You know, this is this is kind of what how I would like to kind of help help people. Uh, and the man that I know you to be, you've always been that. I mean, you you always helped me out. Uh, not that I ever listened to you back then, probably as much as I should have. But you know. I gotta say that you know whenever you did give advice, I'd say probably maybe sixty percent of it I, I retained. The other forty percent I didn't. But I I think if being honest, and I probably never admitted this to you, I think when we when we didn't speak for a while, I think it definitely made me appreciate you more. You know, appreciate mm. a lot of the stuff that you had done for me back in the day because mm. you know we we'd been through quite a bit. You know. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, you know, when I think we see with your dad, you know, rest God rest his soul. And I remember the day when you know we 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 where did we gone to Blue Water or something, and then we came back to yours because you were supposed to go out, and I I just remember getting on the one sixty, went back to yours, and then we were supposed to go to mine to get changed, then go out, and then we missed the bus. And then we went to your friend's house and then, you know, your mum called and then, but then I, I I answered the door to him. I remember actually, I answered, I, he was upstairs still getting changed. And then I, he, I answered the door and he was like, oh, George, you're here. I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I just, I just went for a run around the block. I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, you're all right. And I remember I got him some water. He's like, yeah, just give me some water. So I got him some water. And I was like, you're right. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then that was it, man. Oh, there was another time. College, obviously, when we met at college, we was playing football. <laughs> yeah, that didn't go down too well, did it? No, my football, <laughs> my football, you know. But anyway, that's another story for another time. But that didn't go down well. But and then the incident, when the incident we had that time when we went out, you know, where you know that 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 bottle was meant for me, but it got to you. And just seeing you there like that, just just in full of blood, I was like, what? And then do you remember when we went to the court? And then the guy was trying to offer out my dad. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this guy's got a death wish, mate. He really went up front my dad. And I remember my dad saying, Yeah, okay, well, there's no cameras then. And the guy's like, No, no, we've got to do a camera. I was like, No, if you want to do this, well, there's no cameras then. <laughs> so funny that day. Oh, that was funny, idiot. But no, it just got me thinking how much good advice you've given over the years. And you know, I know that you're most definitely impart a lot of your kind of you know knowledge and everything else you know onto those onto those individuals but i got me and someone next question about your sort of life lessons Mm. i know this can be quite generic and might be quite difficult to answer but i think that you're a man that is very worldly so what would you say is when one of your sort of biggest life lessons i'm getting to know myself really Mm. um I think, uh, like everything that I've talked about, you know, like being honest with you, like part of, part of the whole, you know, close thing and dressing well was like mm. it was hiding behind something, and you know, I was yeah. using it as a as a barrier as much as mm. I was as to an entrance to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the time, I was certainly scared of showing people like the real me and mm. having something. When you set this first impression, you know, like people people get something called confirmation bias, like where where if you don't know what that is, it's like people have set upon this first impression of you. And yeah. because that's been set in their heads, they've made all these decisions about you, like within that's split right. seconds, about yeah. 
um, how wealthy you are, the type of person you are, the type of, you know, who you hang around with, are you trustworthy, do they want to get to know you, what your friend's going to be like, what car do you drive? You know, they've made all these decisions in their head and I used that to my advantage because I was like, okay, well, if I can set the first impression, this person's going to judge me and think that I'm in a certain way. And therefore, after that, the confirmation bias is everything that happens after that point of the first impression, they ignore the stuff that isn't congruent to the way that they think of you and they only absorb the stuff that makes them back up their original story because your brain's like, I've created this first impression, therefore everything after that is going to fall into line. So I'll ignore the stuff that doesn't fall into line mm-hmm. and I'll take in the stuff that does fall in line. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for you to get away with stuff afterwards. Like mm-hmm. there's still people who have built up this impression of me. So I, I, hid, I hid behind that mm-hmm. um, for quite a long time and, and wasn't really myself, which meant, you know, the, the, the people that I met or like the girlfriends that I met, you know, I, I wasn't, yes, I was myself with them, but like it's almost like I, I could hide behind something first, so I wasn't really my true self at the beginning. Would you say that? Would you say that's ego? And the reason why I say that to you is that I've I understand what you mean by that. I it's like I felt that in my life there's been certain individuals that I had no business dating, even talking to or going out with because mm. they're just not they're not for me they're not my person and they will never, they will never accept or like who I actually really am. Whether it be I'm too boring, too quiet, too nice or whatever, they'd just be repulsed by it, I think, because they are, I guess, attracted to a certain type of masculinity that for them is masculine, whereas to you or I, I would class that as just being an idiot. So would mm. you feel that there's an element of maybe just your ego there? Do you think? I thought, I think I actually think it's a lack of self-esteem, you know, like where I thought I had to be a certain way to attract who I wanted to attract, mm. you know, mm. and, and once you've attracted that, you want to keep it, you know, yeah. so that's where the ego kicks in after that, because mm. you want to keep it. That's right. I think getting to know yourself and being confident about yourself is mm. the, the biggest life lesson. It's like really, really, if you can, from as younger age as you can, understand what your values are, mm. understand what you will have in your life and what you won't have in your life. What doesn't fall into line with your values of the vision that you perceive for yourself and your future. Mm. And don't invite those people into your life that are going to take you away from that, you know, but embrace and find the people that match up to that. You know, mm. and I think if you can do that, um, you're on for a very, very successful life. I'm not talking in kind of necessarily monetary-wise, but that too, but just you'll, you'll be surrounded by the people that have your back and mm. want the best for you. Mm. And, mm. you know, being involved in a circle like that is, is very powerful because essentially you're, you're a product of the people that you surround yourself with. So if you've got a, a group of five friends, you'll be somewhere in the middle of that in terms of personality and the way that you are and the way that you act. You'll be somewhere in the middle of all of those five people. Mm-hmm. You can get the best five people that kind of come into line with your values and the way that you see the world. Mm-hmm. You're stepping into your power. Mm-hmm. So I think really getting to understand and learn about yourself is probably the biggest life lesson because I, mm-hmm. I probably didn't do that. I did it to a large degree, mm-hmm. but I probably didn't really understand myself fully in, until my um, 30s you know so, where yeah, I suddenly I became a lot more confident about who I am what I'm about and would you say then when you did that you 
you cut a lot of people off. Because um, I can say that now, the age I am now, I will probably say there's only maybe, I can count on probably one hand and maybe a little bit in the other of the individuals who I actually believe have my best interests at heart, including obviously including yourself in that, who I genuinely think that. And I think that I've definitely got to know myself a lot better in the last probably four years. But it was also quite, it was a bit, it was also a very rude awakening because then you sit back and you look at individuals and you think, do you know what that person doesn't never really have my back. They say they have, but they never have done. Or uh, it goes back to the comment you made before about somebody having an impression of you. And no matter, you know, you could, you could, you know, split an atom tomorrow and you could have built the the rocket that's going to fly to the moon. But as far as that person's concerned, the person you were 20 years ago, that's how they see you. And I've learned that, you know, the Nick that was 17, that's not you now. If it was, then there's a big problem but you're not that person. But I do feel there's a lot of individuals that would love to misinterpret and misunderstand people. Mm. Um, and I do feel that, you know, you talk about life lessons. I probably say, I agree with some, a lot of what you said, I probably say friends. And you meant, you touched on that about the people around you. Would you say that that was a challenge for you? Cause it's, it was definitely, it was definitely a challenge for me. Um, you know, within our peer group, there was only two people, uh, within our peer group and you know who those two people are and the rest I have no time for um, mm. and back then do you know what it was I I got to, I, 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 I realised something wasn't right I just didn't have the confidence to open my mouth and when I did it came out aggressive do you remember there was a point where I was quite aggressive mm. sort of things I didn't I was I just didn't know how to articulate what I wanted to say yeah um and then as you get older, you then you then see situations for what they are. Would I I wouldn't necessarily I've forgiven, but I haven't forgotten those individuals. Um, but as I've got to know myself better, I've just realized actually, you know, they were never my friends, but that's okay. Would you say for you that um knowing yourself better that you had to cut people off and or you had to reassess? Because I remember you you actually you probably only remember this. When we when we kind of spoke again after not speaking for a little while, and the first thing you said to me was, "In fact, you know, Nick, it was two years today. You know that three years today. Really? Didn't know that, did it? Yeah, three years today. I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> three three years today. Three years yesterday. Yeah, three years today uh, that we met up again and we spoke. We went to that pub in Bromley, mm. um, and uh, I remember you sat down and you he was talking about obviously." your daughter and you know talking about your wife or whatever and then you then said you know why did you reach out again and what made you do that because I guess for you you were in that state where you are you'd moved you know you were, you were about to move away and you were finding yourself and I guess you were probably asking yourself questions about you know why is it that you know who are these individuals I've got around me are they good for me and what do they want does that make sense would you say that you yeah. that's that's kind of the questions and, and, and things that have gone through your mind? I'd say that people have fallen along the wayside as I've grown older. Mm. And sometimes it's a hard thing to take. Sometimes you, you're not so bothered. Oh. And I find that if people are going to fall by the wayside and aren't going to mm-hmm. offer you value for the future, then, then you kind of, you have to kind of cut loose and 
move on because and, I, and sometimes as I said it was easy sometimes it was really hard you know like mm. you've got people in your life that have you've grown up with and they've been like a brother and you know like because I, I you know one of my other previous best friends that I grew up with like mm. we we kind of like not fell out but it just got to it just got to a point one day where it was just like no no more like mm. and it's difficult to take but mm-hmm. when you when you assess the situation fully and you think to yourself you know is have is having this person in my life a positive or negative impact on me mm. Mm. then you need to kind of make a decision based on that and, and realise that once you make the decision be prepared to stick to it and mm. the consequences are there for you you know mm. so I guess when, when we kind of didn't speak for a while like we got to the point where I was thinking oh, maybe if this doesn't re- resolve itself in two or three months you know um, or, or, or longer six months say, like maybe it won't and I kind of mm. got to the point where I was like I kind of made peace with myself and thought uh, it won't resolve itself now it, it probably won't so it's so done and you've got to move on mm-hmm. so when you when you did reach out mm. um, I wasn't like surprised like shocked I should say mm. but do I want to open myself up to mm. you like this mm. person you like being in, involved in in my life again when you're thinking you, you're you, you, the likelihood is you're gonna move on and yeah. that's why like I had to assess the situation I was like why did you reach out because I thought it's important to understand and it's decision like you know I don't I don't have to we don't have to chat moving forward it's my decision it's, yeah. it's in my hands you're the one that reached out but I mean, it's important to understand why and then to be able to make an assessment like you know, how do I personally, you know, want to move on with my life? So yeah, mm. it's like mm. I think people fall by the wayside, and some people may come back. Other people, mm. you, you're just not interested in coming back at all. And that's mm. that's okay, mm. you know. Do, do you know? Do you know? I think the way that I assess people now is this: if ever I I come off the phone to certain people and I feel drained, they're not for me. Mm. You know, I should come off the phone off the phone with, with my friend and feel good or I'd like, or feel that, you know what, I had a good conversation with them. Uh, if we're, if we're reasoning, not if we're just having chit chat, but just generally, you know, and I know mm-hmm. that with certain, those individuals that I mentioned that we will probably have the odd chit chat, but in other times we'll have like proper reasoning sessions and mm-hmm. you come off the, off the phone thinking, yeah, you know, that's my boy. Whereas mm-hmm. other individuals, I just feel like they're just, I'm talking and they're listening. And my mum always said this one thing to me, which probably took me a very, very long time to learn that knowledge is power. Mm. Um, You know, that the more you tell people about your life and what you're doing, the more knowledge they have on you. And they always say that, that the people that if ever you go through any trouble or strife or anything in your life, it's always the people closest to you that will laugh at you and point the finger, you know, um, Mm. When I went through my little situation in 2018, it's quite weird. I remember the day that I reached out. Actually, I do remember the day I reached out to you, actually. Um, and we ha- I had a dream about you, actually. I dreamt about you. Not like that, Nick. Don't worry. <laughs> so we had like a dream. I had a dream, yeah. And like, um, and you popped into my head. And then I just remember waking up that morning and I was like, I've got to call him, you know. Um, and... It's weird, your number, yours and probably three other numbers I know off by heart, 
obviously I've obviously known it for years, you know, but so not off my heart. So I just rung it and then I remember he was like, oh, you know. Um and it was about 7.15 in the morning Joel, so yeah like, yeah uh, yeah yeah it was it was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was early yeah it was 7.15 it was early it was proper early and I obviously I told you kind of you know what was going well I had to tell you everything you know in that hour or so yeah, I was yeah. on the phone what was going on at the time and um, I just remember thinking I come off the phone thinking relieved but thinking I need my like, my mate and of all the people that know me well I'd probably say you and probably two other people know me well, but what I will say about you is this, is that it goes back to what you just said before. I may have been this person when I was 17, but you see that I'm not that person anymore. If I guarantee you this, if I was to see the two, those two people that we know, that you know I'm talking about, those two individuals, they would still see me as that person from 1997. I guarantee you. I guarantee you that because it's for them. They don't, they don't want to see what's, they don't want to see what's in front of them because actually it might be a reflection of maybe where they're not. It could be a reflection of maybe, maybe something that's lacking. I don't know, but the person that, where they are or how I remember them, I just know that they wouldn't. Whereas maybe if you speak about the other two people that I really got on well with, they would embrace me and mm. they would just, see me for who I am today or who I am you know I do feel that yeah there's a lot of people that do that you you open your heart to someone you speak your mind in for, to taking information and then they'll just sometimes use that against you and I think that's probably been definitely one of my biggest life lessons is sometimes you just gotta know that you can't always call someone a friend not everyone's always interested in your evolution either you know that's like, right so some people right. not because they're worried about anything or they just see the same person that's there it's just that they're mm. not concerned about your evolution that uh, mm. like mm. the person that they knew mm. wasn't someone that they were that bothered about true so therefore true. that person whether they've evolved or not are they that bothered still and if they're not mm. then you're not going to get the whole of them mm. so therefore that, that, that feeling that you get where they're like you know, you know what they just see the old me mm. is them actually telling you but but not telling you that mm. they're not that interested in yes. having a conversation yes. or yes. really un- knowing who you are anymore yes do you know what it's funny uh, I saw someone from from college days and uh, I hadn't seen him for ages and just the nonsense that came out of his mouth and to your point it was very much like that where he, he he obviously I didn't notice him he noticed me but ironically it was as though he just didn't really care for me if that makes any sense hmm. I, I was very surprised I mean even afterwards I remember my sister saying what the hell was that about and I went I have no idea it was just a really weird conversation you know uh, hmm. he kind of said oh I don't remember your sister from school even though his sister was actually in his sister was in uh, my sister's year and he blatantly remembered my sister uh, mm. because most people from school remember us because we look alike in, in some roundabout way. Um, so the fact that he said that, I was like, mate, please. It was just it was just very odd, very odd conversation. Um, but yeah, you're right there. I want to kind of end on two things. What would you tell your 21 and or shall we say, what would you tell your 25-year-old self? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's that heated, didn't it? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's, what would I tell my 25 year old self? I have to transport myself back to when I was 25. Um, but yeah, um, so I guess what I tell myself is um, that it will work out, mm. you know, like, and it will work out in the end, like, to have faith mm. in myself and who I am. Mm. But also, um, if I could go back, it would be actually like, do what you love. Don't go after money. Mm. Um, don't seek that route out. Just find something that you're passionate about and that you want to do and follow it and mm. learn. And, you know, like really, really learn. And no matter what you do, if you, if you find something that you're really passionate about and you learn and you learn your craft, you become an expert, it will pay you one way or another. And I think that's, if I was my younger self, then that's what I'd want to consider that I would do is like really find the route that I want to go down in life mm-hmm. and really work out like what to get, to become an expert or to do whatever, you know, what do I need to do today? And to learn to be able to, I can cut loose of where I am, you know, like that just because I'm earning 25 and I'm earning 30 grand or whatever, I was earning, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. Like, actually, you can let go of that. It doesn't matter too much. You know, if you've got a, a wife and kids to support and everything, let go of it. Don't be afraid to start again. Do something that you really want to do and that's going to see you through and that you can be interested in for the rest of your life. Don't just go with the flow. Don't just chase the pounds or don't just want to compare yourself to other people. Mm. And then lastly, Nick, what's next for you? Um, I want to grow my business. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like passionate about growing my business and having an impact on people, mm. you know, so no matter how I do that, that's my number one goal, mm. you know? Um, so it's understanding, you know, really what is the next step in my business? What is the next element of my growth and how do I, start moving more towards my why mm. um, and impacting people. I don't know. I can't tell you today how it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, mm. but that's what's next for me is, mm. is kind of like going through that transition really mm. uh, with myself and with my business to impact other people more significantly. Cool. Cool. Well, Nick, it's been a pleasure. It's been, uh, it's been, uh, it's been, a, it's been like a little bit of a journey going back to, the beginning to now. Yeah, yeah, it's been like quite a cathartic experience. I've actually enjoyed kind of talking through it. It has, it has. But I think we should, we could definitely do a part two. I think we should do a part two. Um, I don't know what, well, I've got some ideas on what it could be about, so I think we should definitely do a part two. Yeah, yeah. Have you back in, back in that back in a couple of months time, you know, if there's any new, anything new that's happening within what you're doing, a good way to tell the world what you're doing. Uh, and who knows what it's we might way to, to be one of your 2019 words accountable <laughs> there uh, you do go. something in the next two months there, like you go. there you go there you go 100% well Nick's a pleasure uh, take care and uh, we will speak very soon yeah thank okay. you thank you for having me on no problem